This call is being recorded. All right, so here's how we're going to do this. Uh, we're going to have we're we're going to get right into the word, and then uh, we're going to have questions afterwards. So once if you have questions um dur during the word, just have them ready afterwards, and then we'll get right into it. But um, I just wanted to continue off where we were before, and if you want to add to it, you can yeah. Um, add to it, sweetheart. But um, I, I, I want to piggyback on what we were talking about concerning uh, kingship and sonship. And when you're when you have a relationship with God, how you actually have a relationship with um, with with the Father and Jesus Christ. The Bible says that. Um, Baptize them in the name. Jesus said when he, before we he went to heaven to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's so important to understand the teachings of the kingdom of God, so you can be able to function in this kingdom. One of the things he, uh, that Jesus mentioned is that they, uh, they, uh, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is God. They're all, there is God in three persons. And those three individuals, they're both individuals. The Holy Spirit, he's a person. The Father, Father God, he's a person. And the Lord Jesus Christ, he's a person. They all work in unity uh, for what they want to do in a person's life and in the earth. So that's why you hear things like in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that is God. It's God in three persons. So it's not Jesus Christ, he's God, and the Father and the, and the Holy Spirit is nowhere to be found. No. Why has it happened? Why is it like that? Because that's how it's always been. Before man ever existed and before time began, before the earth was created, it was always the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're the ones who created the angels who created human beings and the earth and so on and so forth. But now that we're saved today and and we have become born, right, um, uh, the moment, I'm sorry, let me say it like this. The moment when you, if you think about the time where you were a child, you was growing up, there was a time where you were born. And now that you became a believer and a Christian and you've encountered what's called the born-again experience, that Jesus talks about in John chapter um, John the John chapter three, he talks about being born again, meaning that Jesus was saying when you become a new person, just like just like the uh, a baby when it's first born, it's a new individual coming into this world. That's how it is spiritually. When a person gets saved and they truly get changed they encounter what's called a born-again experience when they come out of who they used to be and they step into being a new person. Now, that doesn't mean they won't have struggles, but they begin a journey in learning who they are in Christ, who God has called them to be, and what Jesus Christ has done for them on the cross. So I want to show you a scripture here in Revelations chapter, let me get to it. Revelations, it's in the book of Revelations, 
me get to it. Okay, chapter 1, verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful and trustworthy witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us, who freed us from our sins by his own blood, and formed us into a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. To him be the glory and the power and the majesty and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So the scripture in verse uh, 5 and 6 is talking about what Jesus Christ has done for us. But in verse 6 it says, he made us to be a kingdom. Now what does that mean? Just like you have a king that rules a kingdom in the kingdom. If that king has children, that that means that one day those children are going to rule in that kingdom too. So the Bible constantly talks about Jesus Christ being a king, a king of king. He's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. Why? Because in heaven, he is a king. And if you're his child, that makes you royalty also. But we were talking about how there's a certain way a king walks, a certain way a king talks, and things like that, and queens also. When you're a child of God, you, you, you walk differently, you talk differently, you live differently. Now, I want to get into, into, uh, into this, that when you're walking differently and people notice the difference, that there's something different with you, right? You have now stepped into a position where it's, there's power in your life, meaning that now the people who once remembered you in the way you used to act, you don't act like that no more. God is changing you. Where did you get that power from? Where did you get the ability to actually change the way you live? It came from the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. That's where you receive the power from, and it's supernatural. So if you look at any king or any queen, you'll find that they have power connected to them also. So just like that situation, God has given us power as believers also. To, the power to what? The power to live holy. The power to change. The power to make decisions where uh, 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 where you um where you were um where you was once sinning. Now you don't you don't want to do that no more. Now you don't do that no more. Why? Because you have received power from God, and that power you have received, that same power can change others. For example, when you tell someone about the Lord, when you say, hey, you know, I changed my life, and you start inviting them, you invite them to church, or you witness to them, you tell them about what God has done for you, how you have changed, that same power is able to actually change that person. That's why if you notice people who were here about their friends getting saved, and they go to church or they go to service, and they get saved too, that's why you notice that they even get changed. Why? Because that same power that was working in your life, it flowed over to their lives. That shows that the, they, there's power. There's power in the gospel. There's power in living for Jesus. So, so salvation is more than just a Sunday thing. Salvation is more than just you just going to a building or going to a church. Salvation now, is, salvation is, is now that I've accepted Jesus Christ, I've, I understand I come into a kingdom. 
one. Number two, I understand that the that the Holy Spirit and the Word of God has changed me. Number two, and that's and number three. Now I have power to make decisions that I didn't make before that lines up with my new way of living. So when people say that, oh, I, I, you know, I tried the Jesus thing and, and, and I can't change. No, that's not true because there's so many people that have lived that same way and now that they serve in Jesus, they have testimonies that they can't change. So, so the thing is, it's, so it's important to understand that now that you have a relationship with God, you're not religious, meaning that you don't have a form of fashion. You're not just going to church. You don't just call on Jesus on Sundays. You don't just act Christian on one day of the week. You know, you actually are living for God on a daily and consistent basis. You have what's called a relationship with God, where God talks to you and you talk to God. and and you under and because of that you understand that you're a child of God that you can talk to your father that just like a king has a has a has a son or a daughter you can go to your father and you can ask him questions you can speak to him you he'll answer you through his word he'll answer you through a vision or or a dream or through people you have a relationship with God if you do something wrong God corrects you and he shows you that he doesn't like what you did see you have a relationship with him that is totally different from those who are just religious those who just call on God when they want something from him no those are individuals who just want God as a sugar daddy or who just they live a life where they live for God based on what they can get from him not based on who he is and that he is their father they don't want a father in their lives. They don't want God as father. They want God as Santa Claus. And so because of that, they, and because of that, they disqualify themselves to be children of God. They don't realize that their mindset and the way that they live and the way that they think they have gotten saved, they say things like this, I've been saved all my life, or I got saved when I was 11. But throughout their whole lives, they live for themselves, they live in sin, but yet they still continue to claim themselves as a Christian. These people are not Christians, but they have a form of fashion of godliness, but denying the power thereof, like the Scripture says. In other words, they have, they have a religious relationship with God. They have a they they're just religious. Their relationship with God. They are they are religious, but they don't have a relationship with the Father. They don't know God as Father. And the sad thing is, God wants them to know Him as Father, but because they don't like correction, they fall into the category of becoming a bastard, where. God can't correct them. What is a bastard? A bastard is a child that has no parents, has no father, has no mother. That's a that's a leg, illegitimate child. And because they fall into that category where they don't want God to correct them or to change their lives, they have become illegitimate children. They have become, like the scriptures calls them, bastards. And the sad thing is, when you're a, when you are categorized according to the scripture to be a bastard where God can't correct you or God can't change the way you live and even though you quote scripture, that's in a bad place to be because that can cause you to lose 
your chances of being saved. So, so when you are when you have a relationship with God and you're a believer and you have become a son and daughter, there is benefit that comes along with that package. You now, just like any king or parent has things set aside for their children, guess what? God has an inheritance for you. God has things in store for your life. That's why in Jeremiah 29, Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, the thoughts I think towards you are thoughts to give you hope in the future. That's why he, oh, the Bible talks about in Romans chapter 8, verse, uh, 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 I'm sorry, Romans chapter 8, and as you read it, it talks about in verse 28 also, and, and, and so on and so forth. It talks about how God has plans for your life and a purpose for your life. Why? Because as his child, as a child of the king, as you are a young queen or a king or a young king or a young queen who who've just gotten saved, you're starting to realize who you are. God has an inheritance for you. Not only an inheritance, but he has a plan for you. Not only a plan for you, but he also has love that he wants to shower on you. You know, I remember I heard a testimony recently about God giving someone a hug. God wants to give you a hug. He he wants to hug his children. He wants to let his children know how much he loves them. Some of us, you never have received any love or any affection from your parents or you've been through a lot in your life. Guess what? God is not like man. God wants to show you what true love looks like. Some of us, you have betrayal throughout your whole family. Do you know you come into a new family, a new brothers and sisters, new mothers and fathers, in the kingdom of God, who, who new mentors, new people in God's kingdom that will love you for who you are and not for the mistakes you made. So that all comes along with the salvation package, and I only named a few, but there's a whole lot more that's in store for you as a child of God. But, you know, it's so important to understand this. So, I, uh, so you know, I encourage you that, that, um, that, with these scriptures that see in salvation is more than just a Sunday thing. When you are when you get saved, God wants you to learn about what you have actually stepped into. You had you did not step into a church, you did not step into uh some type of gimmick or something like that. No. You stepped into a relationship. And a relationship with God, like any relationship, takes time to build. You got to invest. If you don't invest in the relationship with God, you, you, you will have a relationship that is absent of having a close communication with God. Like any relationship, if you don't communicate, it can't grow. That person can't trust you and things like that. Well, a relationship with God works the same way. So, so that's um that covers uh this this uh portion of the believers class, and my wife wants to add to it. Hallelujah. Um, it's just amazing how I believe the Holy Spirit led you to mention how some people do not want to be fathered; they want a Santa Claus. And isn't that exactly what the world did? Christmas is 
a holiday that is um, celebrated for the birth of Jesus. But what did we do? We erased Jesus, and we put a fat man with a red suit and a hat that's supposed to come down your chimney to give you presents, to give you, give you, give you. And that's what we call a holiday. So it just shows a natural, it shows an analogy and a natural circumstance of what we have done to God in the spirit. So I just wanted to just piggyback off of that to show you that this is not something that we just pulled out of the air. You can see it for yourself. Constantly, everywhere you turn, they're trying to take Jesus out of the equation. And they want to put their own ideologies, their own way of living, what they think, what they want, what they, they, they want to do. So, when, like um, like was said earlier, when you come into to the kingdom, when you come into Christ, you understand that you have to have you have to have well you have to understand that you have to make a decision, and this is a very important decision. the The, the question is. Will you serve him with or without? Will you serve him if you prosper or you perish? Will you be faithful to God to the killing of your very desire? See, we don't like to hear that, but check this out. When you love someone, and you have a relationship with someone, take take a look at this. Think about the person that you love the most in the world. I'm pretty sure that if you love that person so much, you're willing to lay your life down for them. Right? So, and that shows how much Jesus Christ loved us. He came to lay his life down for us when we didn't even want him. We didn't want to know him. We didn't we didn't want to obey him. Nothing. But he came and laid his life down. And that was his that was his way of showing us that he loved us. So now, guess what? God wants in return for you to love him. And if you really love him, then you must have in your mind that this, I love God so much that I'm willing to lay my life down for him. Because you know what? And this is an awesome part of salvation. Some people, they come into Christ, they get saved, but when they realize that they're going to have to sacrifice some things, when they realize that God is not their sugar daddy. When they make run into hard times, hardships, they go back to their old ways. They go back into sin. So that even cancels out once 
saved, always saved. There's not a there's no such thing as once saved, always saved. Your salvation is conditional. The Bible says, He that endures to the end shall be saved. The Bible also says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So if I have to work out my salvation with fear and trembling, and if I have to endure to the end, then that tells me that it's not going to be peaches and cream all the time. But see, if we understood this, we must know that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. There it goes again, Romans eight twenty eight. We're willing to give our lives understanding that this earth is not really even our home. Once you come into the kingdom, you're no longer a part of this world system. Yes, you live in the world. You are called to love people. You are called to obey the laws. You know, if they are um, obey, if it is obedient to God's word, word and God's will. But the the way that you live, the way that you think, the way that you operate is totally different than the way that people live in this world. So I just wanted to share that when you get saved, you're, it's like you're getting saved to say, you know what, I'm willing to pick up this new life. I'm willing to pick up this new way of thinking. I want to be in the kingdom. I want a love relationship with God and not a selfish relationship with God. I'm, I want to love God so much that I'm willing to give him everything that I have. Guess what? I've been serving God for about 10 years now, and I can guarantee that this is not only my testimony, but it's a testimony of others that have been in Christ way before me. I've come to learn, and I've come to know by experience that whatever you give unto God or whatever you got to sacrifice to God, he's not just going to leave you there. God is always the God of, hey, if you, if, you, if you sacrifice for me. In other words, God will not have you sacrifice for nothing. We serve a God of abundance. We serve a God of a double portion. Anytime God wants you to sacrifice something, he wants you to have better than what you have already. See, that is the lie that the enemy tries to tell people in religion. The, religion tells you that the Bible is a book of rules. Some pastors always want to preach hell, fire, and brimstone with a disconnection from relationships. The Bible is not just a book of rules, but it's God's love letter to his people, to his children, and how to be, a, get, be able to function and map out the, the way of kingdom living. And a true father will say, go right. Hey, I've been there before. I've seen this happen before. I, you should take left. A true father say, no, that's not good for you. Think 
think about it. Think about it in your, uh, even in the natural state, and I'm, and we're going to close. Even in the natural frame of mind, a loving parent will not tolerate or not or, or or will discipline their children if they find if if he or she finds out that they're liars, stealers, being fornicators, sexing whoever, not valuing their bodies. Take a look at that. If you a mother or if you are a father. How would you feel if your daughter was sleeping with who, who about, about 10 guys in one year? When you look at your daughter as a princess, you look at your daughter to say, you know what, nobody is worth more. You're, not, you're worth more than what you're doing. I want my daughter to have a king one day that will love her with all his heart, that will wait on her that will love her more than what she can give, that will love her more than what her bo- what she can offer with her body. I don't know about you, but that's what I want for my children. Because whatever you love, you will value. Some of us, we don't, we don't love ourselves, so therefore we don't value ourselves enough to say, hey, I deserve better. I want better. So, and that's with any other situation. Why would a loving father want his son, a loving father? And, and notice I'm saying loving. Even, even with sin in our hearts, a loving father would not want his child smoking, drinking, get, not drinking, but getting drunk, having orgies, doing all type of stuff. No. A loving father would try to steer his child the right way. So that is exactly, it's like sometimes we don't, we disconnect even how, (laughs) we disconnect how God is with how true life is. Just take your own experiences and understand that living in God, living, being a Christian is living in love with the almighty God.